0: Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly
1: Baptiste. I am so excited to be back again. Um, This is uh, another in our continuing episodes where Beverly is on hiatus, and so I'm having fun talking to people that I find. Interesting or inspiring. Um, and this week, I am so fortunate to have a guest that I've followed for a long time on the podcast with us. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Take it away.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Val. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. Um, I am a fat, indigenous, white woman. Um, and I identify as neurodivergent um or autistic. Um, I also have uh anxiety, depression, um, and I am a ambulatory wheelchair user. I have both a chronic illness and a disability a physical disability um that keep me from, well, the, let me rephrase that. It doesn't keep me from anything. Uh, the world keeps me from things. Um, but I do have a disability and a chronic illness that allows me to use a power wheelchair on some days, a uh, cane on other days, and uh, nothing on the really, really good days, which aren't too frequent.
1: Well, thank you. I am so glad that you're willing to take this time um, and able to take this time to sit and chat with. Uh, sit and chat with me for a bit. I did want to um, just in your introduction, you sort of paused over the, the question of, I'm trying to think how to phrase it. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm really slow about phrasing on things a lot of times, but that's you sort okay. of paused and said, um, keeps me from, and then you're like, nope, that's not actually how that works. And that to me is kind of an interesting thing because I know for me, I have been hard of hearing for five years Um, For most of that time, I have not thought about being hard of hearing as in any way qualifying as a disability, which it took me a long time to start to figure out what the language was around what was happening for me. And I wonder if that's something you've ever experienced or if that's or if this was just a slip because I'm putting you on the spot, making you. It's
0: a little (laughs) of column A and a little of column B. Um, I definitely have dealt with, uh, internalized ableism and struggled with that myself, like trying to figure out what I should, if I'm quote unquote disabled enough to use a disability, uh, use the word disability or disabled to refer to myself. Um, it's taken me a really long time. I actually, so the first thing that really knocked me into the direction of it, like accepting the label of disabled, um, was in 2016. Um, I had a medically necessary hysterectomy and during the surgery, um, the doctor partially severed my spine. So I came out of surgery. I was still able to walk, but I was experiencing numbness in my extremities, and a lot of back pain. Surprisingly, didn't have any pain in the abdomen where they did the surgery, but I had a lot of back pain. And um, it took me a long time to accept uh, the disabled label on myself. Um, I Even like with what, um, with what um, adaptive aids I started using, it took me a really long time to get to the point where I was comfortable using a wheelchair. I started off, I had a cane, which I then gave to my dad to give to my grandmother at some point. I I don't know where it went. It disappeared because I just refused to use it and then um the pain became very debilitating to the point where when i would go and do errands i would um plan out like what's the place that i can go to where everything is available in the same spot so that i don't have to go between different places or walk a long distance or deal with uh the bussing system cuz i d- i don't drive um then it got to the point where okay we're gonna go to uh, my brother is gonna come with me we're gonna go to the mall because they have rental um wheelchairs that you can use um but I refused to buy myself a wheelchair because I was I just wasn't accepting of the fact that I was really at that point where I should have been using um mobility aids and then um we Bought a very, very cheap because I figured it was all just going to go away and I wouldn't need it for very long. The absolute cheapest $99 (laughs) uh, wheelchair off of Amazon.ca and promptly broke it because it's not intended for like, um, one, it's not intended for people of my size, Two, it's not really intended for, like, actual sidewalks where there's cracks and different levels, and the spokes broke on it. Um, Then I borrowed a mobility aid from my uncle, uh, which was a foldable uh, mobility scooter, uh, because I was like, I'm not going to bother with my insurance company trying to get... Uh, a mobility scooter. And in my mind, a mobility scooter was less disabled-ish than a wheelchair. Um <laughs> You kind of have these moments where you're rationalizing things, or at least I did. And then um, it got to the point where not only was this mobility aid not made for someone my size, um it really wasn't that convenient. And it You know, it was in some ways limiting my ability to go places because um, especially in like stores where there's not a lot of space, a Uh um, mobility scooter doesn't have a very Uh tight turning radius. So um, it got to the point where I was like, F it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a uh, electric wheelchair and I still didn't go through my insurance company. Um, I my doctor was seeing me in like in these various mobility aids, but never really offered to like write me a note or anything um, to be able to get it through my insurance. I went through here in Canada. We have it's kind of like Craigslist, but it's called Kijiji, okay. um, and uh, I bought someone's used. Uh, wheelchair I made sure like I did some research beforehand to make sure that it was for my weight right and also that it was uh wheelchair um uh wheel sorry wave accessible so wheelchair Accessible. accessible vehicle so it has all of the uh it has a very heavy base on it and like right things to clip Uh, and belt yourself in so that you ride in the wheelchair and it's in an accident, you are a little safer than not having those clips. Um, I that's the wheelchair that I still use. Um, I call it the tank. It's been through a couple, uh, bike accidents where bicyclists have hit me, um, quite a few falling off of curbs, um, but yeah it, it sorry i kind of got off topic no, no. there but like it definitely it took me a really long time to accept that label and well, to get to the point where i was able to rationalize with myself that i was deserving enough or disabled enough to be using the aids and comfortable enough to use them in public that's um,
1: it's it's interesting to hear you talk about it because my my mother has been a wheelchair user um, for what I'll estimate is about 30 years now. And I Mm -hmm. think I watched some of that process, watched her go through it. But from the perspective of a teenager and a young woman who didn't understand the complicated things that my mom was going through while recognizing um, that she was, she was disabled. I'm not Honestly, sure whether she really sees herself that way thirty years later. Even though she has um, a variety of things related to chronic illness and chronic pain that mm-hmm. make using a wheelchair necessary for her if she's going to go more than ten feet on on her own steam, and on her own steam even means with a walker or with a cane or or with other assistance. And I I don't think I realized until I heard you speaking. What that process must have been like, not perfectly, I'm not suggesting in any way that you are representing all experiences, but, Mm -hmm. but I could see her using a cane and then being like the hell I will. And then, (laughs) and then trying a wheelchair and it not being sized correctly. And then um, reaching out, she used, um, there wasn't an internet quite yet, um, (laughs) but she used (laughs) other sources to find a used um, chair, and then my father spent a lot of time researching to try and make sure it was right for her body size and things like this. And I can even remember about 20 years ago, they had an accident with her chair on the back of the SUV that they had,
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: ramp that they had had to put the chair up on, on attached to the back of that vehicle. And I don't think in the 20 years since she has ever had as good a chair or as good an attachment for a vehicle, it was really hard to find the right things because she's a larger person Mm -hmm. that worked like that. And, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like maybe I have a, a, a slight insight maybe that I had, I had been missing because uh, especially as a young person, when this was happening, it was coming through. My very selfish teenage lens of of what was happening to the family, not not to my mother personally with her pain and her mobility issues. So it's interesting.
0: Well, me. the thing is, is oh. and uh, fat fat phobia and disability are so well internalized ableism are so intrinsically linked that I was not only fighting my own ableism of thinking like no you're young you can do this like you're just Mm -hmm. being lazy or I was also fighting the fat phobia of like and I still fight it every single day that I'm out in my wheelchair I get (laughs) insults hurled at me of course pretty much every day but like and every post I get at least one comment uh on Instagram like you're just using your wheelchair because you're fat And it's like, um, well, even if I was, if I need the wheelchair, I need the wheelchair. Um, and it was very, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very difficult to overcome that fat phobia, like in, like in my head of like, I'm, everybody is looking at me. Everybody thinks I'm just a lazy fat person uh you know just too lazy to walk um or I've become they think I've I am a glutton and have become so fat that I cannot walk and it took me a really long time to kind of one just shrug it off and like not care that people I because they are thinking that I know they are and I get those comments on Instagram that basically echo that every single time. Shrug that off, but also like realize that even if that was true, if I, if I need the chair, I need the chair. It doesn't matter what the reason is, whether it's something that I've done to myself or whether it's uh, any other reason that I need the chair. Yeah. It's a valid reason. Um,
1: and you that's, don't. that's hard. That's a really hard space to come from because you're anyway. That, that Yes. Yes. All of that. Very hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So one of the things that you've done, I don't actually know how long you've done it, but for quite some time on your Instagram account in particular is to really try and draw attention to I think some of, some of those issues, but the more recently, the one that's been really interesting for me is the hashtag that you've been sharing and spreading Um, styled seated, as Mm -hmm. I recall, tell me about that. Tell me where that, where that originated for you and what you're hoping that may make a difference in.
0: So that came partially from, like, I started, my Instagram started off as a plant account. <laughs> and then it was, like, all my house plants. Yeah. And then it, I started sewing at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never sewn anything in my life before, really. Uh, I started off with a pair of Muna uh, and Broad Glebe pants and a box top uh, a Torrance box top. And, um, before that I was just making like to learn how to sew, I was making masks. Um, so, uh, my first two garments were the top and the pants. And I noticed that people were using the hashtag sewn, shown, seated. And I read up on it and like tried to find out as much information as I could, because I thought it was really interesting Um, but I noticed that because I, I, because of my disability and the dynamic factor of my disability, how it can change from day to day, it, I'm not able to, um, make my whole wardrobe on my own. It's not realistic for me to think that I can. It's not realistic for me to attempt to. So I kind of also at the same time got into slow and ethical fashion um and I noticed that none of the influencers or people that I was following were really showing their clothes seated and I can understand why um by um by the rules of what's flattering and I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see that. (laughs) Um, A seated position is not the most flattering picture. It's just not, it, it it can be, if it's like an editorial kind of position where you're like draped over a a sofa or something, but like, it's not the most flattering. So people tend to just show standing, Uh, standing photos, um leaning against things, but like, for the most part, they're not sitting. And I had bought a pair of slow fashion pants. Uh, I won't name names, but I, they fit me great standing up. As soon as I went to sit down, they cut in and um the front gaped open and it just, they weren't made with the intention of being sat in, which I right. thought was just this completely ridiculous like it's not even just disabled people well that's that's the thing like it's not just disabled people that sit yeah anybody sits like everybody sits at some point like to watch tv or to eat their lunch (laughs) or if they work in an office they probably sit in a cubicle Mm -hmm. but these pants were obviously not made for sitting and that made them not accessible for me. Um, and I realized that the sewn, shown, seated hashtag needed to be kind of, I forget what I was saying.
1: Um, that the sewn, seated <laughs> could be brought to a broader audience, to an audience that doesn't include um, people making their own clothing.
0: Exactly. And um, I also thought that like, not only from an Influencer or a, um, like a, uh, customer standpoint of showing it how it fits after you've purchased it. Brands should be showing, um, how their clothing looks when it's seated anyway, because it's going to cut down on returns, which cuts down on emissions, which cuts down on all kinds of stuff. Like it's just, it's like this giant yeah. cycle that just feeds itself. And so I started it actually January 1st of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's growing moderately. <laughs> um, I think there's like 1.4k, uh, posts, like individual posts under the hashtag. But there's also brands who are participating and not necessarily using the hashtag, um, who've made right. commitments, uh, that they're going to show all of their clothing seated as well as standing, because it does make sense to show how it fits. Yeah. Um, and whether it's wearable, because that's, that's really what it comes down to. It, it definitely benefits like showing your clothing seated definitely benefits um marginalized bodies like um people with disabilities as well as you know fat bodies but it yep. also it it benefits everybody knowing how your how wearable your clothing is going to be when you get it um yep. like looking at there's been a, a few cute you know jeans or pants or whatever or shirts that I've looked at and then they show the seated image and I'm like, well, that's not going to work for my body shape, or that's not going to work for me. And it's saving me time shopping. And it's saving that brand money, uh, doing shipping it out and then processing a return. It's saving, you know, later or Canada Post or uh, USPS money and time, and emissions. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where it came from, and how far we've come at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely appreciated the emphasis on it, because it's something that hadn't ever occurred to me in taking the photos that I do, and I still struggle to find the space, time, and lighting in my day to get pictures in um, and the things that I wear, where I'm, where I'm seated, my office, the lighting in my office is terrible. <laughs> there's, 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 it's just the worst lighting in the universe. And the middle mm-hmm. of my road has always felt slightly irresponsible when I haul a chair out there. But
0: <laughs> although I have enjoyed the ones where you hauled out, like the big armchair, uh, that made my day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, so, so I'm still sort of struggling with how to incorporate that into what I do, even though I recognize that it's it's obviously very important and particularly important in the, the making. I understand why it's important in the retail space, but in the making space as well, because normally if you're making a garment and you really need to know how it looks when it's seated, you're talking about commitment of hours of your mm-hmm. time in, in crafting a thing without having necessarily all the knowledge that would really help you to understand if that was going to be a successful make. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to trying to get better at it. In my old office, I kind of found the place where I could get pictures, and in my new office, I have not discovered that yet. So I need to need to work harder on it because it it I feel like it should be a priority for me figuring out how to do that. It's not that hard. <laughs> it shouldn't be rocket science. If it makes um, <laughs> you feel
0: better, like honestly, I have the same problem. Unless I'm in my wheelchair, <laughs> and even then, like I'm like the internal fat phobic voice goes like, okay, you want to stretch your leg out to elongate Ah. your figure. That happens. But then also if I'm not in my wheelchair, it's like, okay, where am I going to get a seated photo? Because I don't, because I'm an ambulatory wheelchair user, I don't want to necessarily take all of my photos in my wheelchair because I want my feed to be representative of, my life not just right this singular part yeah, yes. of my life of course. so I have a hard time finding spots where the lighting is good where I can sit comfortably and be supported comfortably um because I do need to have my back supported um and where I'm comfortable. And also like, you know, there's all the other factors of like a great photo, like a visually interesting background or something that isn't too distracting or right. something where there isn't a bunch of kids running around in the background. Cause like we go to the park often and like, I don't want to take pictures of someone else's kids of course. and post them on the internet. Um, so I struggle all the time. And then I also struggle with looking at my feet and being like, all these pictures look identical because I'm sitting in the same pose in every single photo. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially in the winter when I'm not accessible options for me to leave my home are uh, much less. Right. So I tend to, we have a chair that we set up in the corner in the corner of my bedroom and we set up all we bring every lamp in and we take photos and i'm sitting in the exact same pose in every single photo in front of the same background and i'm like i know that like i could do better but like it's a struggle to find a spot that and a chair especially like not every chair is um able to hold my weight um right it's just Yeah, it's it's a struggle uh, and it's it's more of a struggle than I think it needs to be. It should be so easy to take a seated photo, especially seeing as we see we sit all the time. Like, yeah, but I
1: I get in my head about it. So when I'm mm -hmm. at the office, which is my most obvious, easiest place to try and find an opportunity to get a picture taken. I don't wanna haul out my tripod, but I definitely <laughs> don't want to ask a coworker, hey, I do this Instagram thing. Do you mind just getting <laughs> a picture of me? Yeah, no, I mean every day. It all just it doesn't take much time. <laughs> so I I kinda and it's part of it is that I just I don't know, I think there's a part of me that feels embarrassed that I take pictures of myself to put on Instagram. So I'm so always I've got that going too.
0: I'm always super like high alert when we're outside, like making sure that nobody's looking when we're taking photos. N- not that I know anybody here. Like we moved here in the middle of, um, a lockdown and I've been, uh, keeping um, social distancing pretty much the entire time we've been here. Um, so like I don't really know very many people in our neighborhood. So right. it really doesn't matter what they think, but. I do often wonder, because because of the dynamic aspect of my disability and how it can change, I will often do batch photos. Like, yeah. so I will, we will come back and forth from my apartment to the park five or six times in a day because I happen to be having a good day and I've put on makeup and my hair is dry and, you know, I look, I feel good enough to do this. And I often wonder, like, we live in a complex with five different high-rise buildings, what people think of this, and I stand out like a sore thumb, I'm the only one that I've seen in my direct neighborhood that's using a power wheelchair. So I often think, like, the people who are looking out their window, like, what they think about this fat wheelchair user switching, like, going back and forth with multiple outfits, like what they think I'm doing or which outfit is their favorite. (laughs) Like, yeah,
1: I don't batch as much anymore. And I take my pictures largely in the road in front of my home. Mm -hmm. But I, but when we do, my husband and I would go out and I'd go in or out 10 or 15 times. With a different outfit, different glasses, different lipstick and different shoes, usually in between outfits to get all these pictures and people, people would ask, (laughs) people would ask questions. We're not high rises. There's not all that many people but people driving by would ask my neighbors would (laughs) ask. And I don't, I don't know that there's a great answer. I mean, it always does feel a little silly to Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, I just put them on the internet. Don't worry. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, no, no need for you to be concerned by this. It's just the internet. You're fine, and move on about my business. Um, and I, I know, like the day there was one day where I did 50 changes because I was doing. Oh, this is terrible! Don't ever do this. Um, I was doing a video where I was just spinning once in each dress because they were all the same dress, just different fabrics. Mm-hmm. And um, I have never been so tired. I completed the the photo shoot and I was like, I guess I'm done. And um, that was just nap, dinner and bed. It was, it was exhausting. It was exhausting. And all you're doing is changing clothes. And I don't know how that I, well, I do know how that impacts you. I know there are times where outfit changes, changes of scenery have to be exhausting because that's part of the nature of chronic illness and chronic pain. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I, I imagine you've got the same thing in your head sometimes that I do. That's like, yeah, but I just have to keep doing it because I've got this plan and I need to finish oh, yeah. it. Even though I know I'm going to pay a price later. I,
0: so my brother, I live with my brother who is my support person and he is that voice. That's constantly telling me like, you really should stop. Okay. We've done two outfits. Let's take a break. Let's go. Uh, you know, I think that's enough for today and i'm constantly arguing with him going like okay but yeah I'm, I'm i've already applied makeup which takes a lot out of me i've already brushed my hair and washed my hair i showered today um, i am not dealing with intense pain right now just exhaustion We need to keep going until I literally can't do this anymore. I will crash tomorrow and the day after and the day after. But I'll have photos for like the next week. Um, Yeah. And there have been so back in January, I did a video where like a like 30 second reel or whatever, where I tried on all of the clothes in my closet, every single item, like except for underwear and bras. And you can, if you watch it slow enough, like it like tap and hold so that you can see each frame, you can, you can see the exhaustion. You can see my hairstyle changes because it went from, I think I started with my hair down and then I tend to sweat very heavily when I'm in pain from the neck up. Um, so it went from like, my hair being down and dry and blow blow dried to being up in a half ponytail to being in like my hair wasn't really long enough to be up in a full ponytail so i had like a scarf tied around my head to like keep the sweat out of my eyes and um like my f- you can see the makeup kind of like melting off of my face <laughs> it's yeah um, the,
1: the pr- pay. It took like five
0: hours and I don't have a huge wardrobe I only have uh, two tall boy dressers and that's it and fat people clothes take up more space so there's really isn't a lot of clothing in there Um, like when we, we sat there and counted all the pieces or whatever but like there wasn't really a lot of clothing but it was the changing of the clothing that was taking so long and we would do like two or three outfits and Aaron would snap the pictures. And then I would lay down on my bed, like just flat on my back, just trying to like get through, like get yep. enough rest that I could get through it because we couldn't really stop because the lighting would change. Um, Cause we were using natural light from outside and, right. you know, it's winter the the sun sets at like three in the afternoon, up here in Canada. Sometimes not really, but like <laughs> it like <laughs>
1: but it gets
0: it, it gets dark. So like
1: yeah, we had to like a limited window for sure.
0: Exactly. So um, and I just remember I think I was like out for two weeks. I was just like completely drained, um, and in pain, and yeah. I'd like to say it was worth it. I don't know if it was, it got a lot of views. I don't know if that makes it worth it or not.
1: <laughs> um, I, Yeah. I mean, I think that in, in the end for me, I'm like, I guess if people liked it, that's good. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one. Now you mentioned that you started sewing at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think more recently you've done, um, less sewing but during the times when you were and have been sewing what what appeals to you in a pattern or a pattern designer what what did you find useful and accessible
0: um so I've stuck with mostly luna and broad patterns um I like the big uh like instruction manuals (laughs) that are included yeah. with it. I want everything to be written out. And I love the fact that uh, Leela, it's usually Leela does the uh, video walkthroughs. Yes. Especially if it's something like a new technique um, that makes it much more accessible for me. Um, I like, so I like um patterns that are uh, like the style of the clothing is simple that way my fabric choice will take center stage rather than something that perhaps has like a lot of pleating or fine details to it where um some of that can be like very overwhelming if you pick the wrong fabric. Yeah, I agree. Um, Like, I'm a diehard Glebe Pants person. (laughs) I love them so much. I can make them without the instructions um, from memory. Uh, And um, I like being able to add my own spin to something. Like, I really like color blocking um, or doing, like, a two-tone thing with uh, a pattern um and like I said before like if if a pattern has too much small details uh, it it kind of like it competes with the in my mind it competes with whatever color blocking or yeah um two-tone or whatever I've done to make it my own Um, so I like like from a clothing standpoint like a style standpoint, I like clothing patterns that are so simple that no matter like what, whatever fabric you use completely changes yeah. how the garment looks. Like doing the glebe pants in a tensile versus a gauze or a heavy denim, like they, it doesn't even look like the same garment anymore. Um, and I have like, I've, I know I've made about 14 pairs of pleat pants now, oh, wow. but um, some of them didn't fit so great because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't uh, measure myself correctly at the start. Um, so I, I did the wrong sizing or I messed up the pleats or whatever. And there's been a few that I've donated, um, but just taking that one pattern, I've made like a full wardrobe's worth of pants. Um, and you would never know that they're all the same pattern.
1: That's pretty neat. I, uh, they just recently released, um, the Melba, which is a, um, neck dress, um, with no particular shaping details, but kind of a neat way that they do the cuffs and the side seams, mm-hmm. the cuffs on the grown on, it's not even a grown on sleeve. It's, literally straight down the side of the garment and you add on a little cuff but the way that they have you do it is kind of unique there's a video tutorial to walk through it and I'm already considering I've made one out of a gold linen and Mm -hmm. I'm considering what my what my next one's going to be I think it's going to be sort of a tone on tone canvas Um, but I'm interested to see how it changes the look of it because it's a relatively straight dress with a um a thigh a thigh high split on both sides and the front ends at about just below knee length for me and the back is a few inches longer. So mm-hmm. you've got the slit but the back goes down longer which works well for me because with my big butt it means I still have fabric to sit on when I sit down. Yes. Where sometimes <laughs> when, when the front and the back are the same, the front's got to be a lot longer before I can be sure I'm going to have fabric under my tush the whole way. Um and I I've, I've really liked it. So the the simpler styling of a lot of the mona and broad stuff which Is not necessarily my style, are things that I periodically fall back into because I do think that the simplicity of it can be a great way to show off either a particular fabric or a particular accessory. I have a number of necklaces that sort of hang low in the front Mm -hmm. that I think work really well where there isn't a lot of competing seams in a garment, for example. So a princess seam dress to me is not necessarily the one that I'm going to wear. My giant, um, ceramic what do you call this chameleon necklace with <laughs> mm-hmm. that one may require more of a, a an unvarnished canvas to be <laughs> to be presented without com- competition um so i do i i find there's very interesting i'm really excited by their their latest dress this melba, yeah, melba was, dress. i've been
0: looking at it it's so beautiful and simple and like even um i've been thinking about making it in like a my first silk project doing it in like a silk wall Ooh. um blackbird fabrics came out with some i think it's new colors new yeah it would be really pretty and they're like um uh blackbird fabrics the new colors that they came out are like really really vibrant um tones like um a i can never remember what the word is for that weird not weird the weird yellow green color like it's right
1: chartreuse Chartreuse.
0: i can never remember that (laughs) word but i love the color
1: (laughs) that is Um, that is a color i really love too although i don't have very much of
0: it um they've got that color they've got a bright uh like a marigold yellow uh yellowy orange uh they've got like a dark red and i'm like this would be so cool like in a bright color. Cause I, even, uh, Lila, I, and I think Jess both made them in like a bright pink fuchsia yes. kind of color. Yes. And I'm it's like, so yes, good. It's so good. And I think you see it would the also, version... Oh, sorry. That's okay. I was just going to say, I think it would be really cool to also do it like forced color blocking, like even like yes. cut it in half or something.
1: I agree and it'd be easy to do because of course it's cut out on the fold so you mm-hmm. just have to pop it out enough for that seam allowance it wouldn't be hard at all mm-hmm. um Jess has made a version as well where uh they added a um a flounce to the hem so instead yes, of having I just that cap, and I I saw it I messaged Jess right away I'm like oh my god that's amazing I never even thought of that And there are so many circle skirt calculators that if you just calculate the circumference of the bottom of your dress, you should be able to get the appropriate measurements out of it, right? To be able to create Mm -hmm. the circle skirt to go on the flounce. I think that's amazing. I have just received from seams fabric, some um, uh, jacquard fabrics that have you know, the reverse print on the opposite Mm -hmm. side and I'm considering exactly that. My plan for them is um, cut up the middle one side, one side of the, like the right side being the dark side Mm -hmm. say and the left side being the light side of a jacquard reversible woven print. That would be cool.
0: It would also be cool to do, so like after you've done that, do the cuffs in the opposite (laughs) so that there's even more (laughs) contrast. See, I love contrast, so like (laughs) any sort of like color blocking and the more um, contrast you can put against it, like the more like little puzzle pieces you can put together to kind of add that contrast. I'm all about it.
1: (laughs) The other one I'm considering for this Melba as well as I have all of my scraps of my linen because I make so much out of the same weight of linen, Mm -hmm. just so, 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 so much. And I've thought about just starting to stitch together irregular pieces until I have enough to cut out the dress and that that might be a fun thing to do. I think the only, the only thing I'd have to get over is there's no way I would do it such that I could match side seams, even in terms of not the colors being the same from front to back, but even Mm -hmm. like the proportion that would be all Um, higgledy-piggledy on the sides, but I, but I think it would be really neat to do, and in that case, I think I would do, like, the randomness across the body of the garment, and then I'd pick one color to do both cuffs out of, to kind of bring it back together. Mm -hmm.
0: It it would also be a really good canvas for, like, something like Thread and Sprout. I'm not sure if you follow them. Uh, They're a small business, like, doing, like, kind of, like, I don't know what to call it. It's, like, quilting without the batting. Um, like, yeah, uh, applique App- kind of thing. Yeah, I think
1: it would the, be really the, cool uh, to do. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. They've done several dresses where it looks like a field or mountains or other stuff, and then you can put mm-hmm. flowers on it, and oh, it's amazing. And it's that's am-
0: that's the beauty of like a very simple garment, like the Melba, is like you have so much. It's it's. It's a clean canvas to do all these different techniques that like a busier, uh, more complicated uh, pattern yeah. just doesn't have the space to do that. Like it, it's just,
1: yeah. I was, I was really pleased with it. It was one of those where it's, it's not my natural style. It's not something I would, most people wouldn't look at it and necessarily say, oh, I bet Jenny's making that. It's not It's not necessarily that type of garment, but I saw it in the hot pinks and I'm like, oh man, I'm definitely making it. And I made my very first one, like I say, in that gold um, linen. And it, it turns out I just really enjoyed wearing it. I like the slits that are high, but at the same time, because of the width of the garment, because of the ease, they're perfectly safe for work use for me. They don't, they're not exposing. Mm -hmm. like I I own some things with high slits that are definitely not safe for work and those slits aren't even as high as the ones on this (laughs) they're just they're just in a a more form-fitting garment so that you're you know you're showing a lot more as Mm -hmm. opposed to this where really it's got to be a proper breeze which I seldom experience in an office setting um so (laughs) it's it's really delightful um I didn't mean to go on such a tangent of love oh, that's okay for, for the Melba.
0: <laughs> I haven't sewn one yet, but I fully intend on once I have, you know, the spoons um, to do one. Absolutely.
1: I, um, I recommend it. It was very simple. There's a piece when you're putting the <laughs> cuff on, there's a video that's been done to show you how to do that. If you have any confusion around mm-hmm. it, I was able to kind of parse it out in my head without the video, but there is a helpful video for it.
0: Sorry for the noise in the background. Um, My brother's just taking the dogs and Roger, his chihuahua, um, (laughs) likes to make a lot of noise. He's very excitable and very excited to go for walks. Um, And he tries to get the other dogs excited to go with him. So sorry about the weird noises. That wasn't me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good clarification. Um, (laughs) um, What else would you like to talk about? Um, not to. Put I don't on know. The
0: spot. I hate being put on the spot. <laughs> I always feel like whenever <laughs> I'm asked, like, "What do you want to do?" or "What do you want to talk about?" it turns into <laughs> one of those, like that scene from The Jungle Book, where oh. uh, they're like, "What do you want to do?" Well, "What do you want to do?" And they just go back and forth yep. for like five or six minutes. <laughs> um, I didn't have anything prepared today, <laughs> so. Um, You didn't have
1: to. The idea was just sort of a a conversation to see where it flows. I just don't want to I don't want to wrap up in a way that doesn't give you the opportunity to express anything you wanted to share with the audience. Uh, Give some consideration to following the hashtag, uh, particularly styled seated in order to get an image for what it what it looks like to share those sorts of images and consider adding them to your feed. Um, it's, it's important. It makes a difference. I know for me, when I've talked about garments in the past on the podcast, there are several that I've made and I take a picture of myself standing up and I post the picture and I'm like, you know, I'm not sure this is the garment for me, but the picture looks nice. Um, because when I go to sit down in them, it is for all the world. It's like a sausage that's ready to burst. And the way in which they were designed, as you were mentioning at the start of the program, just doesn't allow for the way that um, fat bodies in particular, but probably most bodies <laughs> move when when they're seated. I have much broader hips when I'm seated than I do when I'm standing. Mm-hmm. And getting that context, getting to see that not only across items that are sewn, but items that are purchased available for retail helps you to also normalize what bodies look like when they're sitting down, which is something I don't think we get enough exposure to.
0: And I think that it normalizes um, different postures when sitting. I know growing up I went to Catholic school. It was all about like crossing your keeping your knees together, uh you know, yeah, uh, crossing your legs. Uh that's how a lady sits, but I'm in a fat body and I also have a <laughs> a severed spine. I cannot cross my legs. I physically yeah. can't and it is excruciating to try and keep my knees together when I'm seated seated so being able to see a garment and see how it fits when your knees aren't together especially for a dress um, is extremely helpful and also seeing other people not sitting that way like that prim and proper way that we're taught is appropriate for a lady um, it normalizes it It normalizes seeing um, rolls, belly rolls and uh, rolls at the hips um, because people, when they sit, they tend to slouch a little bit. Nobody sits perfectly straight. So your body changes depending on your posture, um, especially fat bodies. And being able to see that is revolutionary because like... at the start of the pandemic, um, that's when I really started to do a lot of the, um, the work on dismantling my own fat phobia. Um, and one of the first things I did was I stopped following, um, influencers who were, uh, sharing fat phobic images, but also I started to follow accounts that were run by fat people and seeing myself and seeing bodies that are bigger than mine, seeing bodies that are smaller than mine, different shaped than mine was, and is one of the healthiest things that I've done on social media. Um, It's, it's,
1: that's a big deal.
0: (laughs) And being able to see bodies that look like mine in a pose that I can actually do is also really, it, 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 it has definitely helped my mental health seeing other bodies seated because I was like, like my neurodivergent brain was like, okay, nobody is sitting in any of these photos. So nobody else sits. Like my brain went that far with it. Like nobody right. ever sits. And I'm sitting because I'm lazy and I'm sitting because I'm fat and lazy, but being able to see, like, obviously that's completely wrong. And that's, you know, the little voice yeah, going on in my you, head, Right, brains don't always tell the truth. Yep. So <laughs> being able to see other bodies that look like mine and are sitting like, like me is really cool it's just really cool to be able to see myself reflected on social media and
1: yeah and I, I really enjoy it hear that from people who message you and say how much they appreciate the image that you put out there I know I hear it from folks who are like hey I I love seeing what you do because my mm-hmm. body is like yours and I don't see a lot of bodies like yours and mine mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, that's, that's all part of that visibility, that helps to make it easier, which for me is part of my goal is making it easier for the people who come after, because, you know, it, it was hard to get to the space for me. And if I'd seen more things younger, it might've been easier.
0: Same. And, and I've, I've definitely heard a lot of positive feedback. Um, there was some negative feedback as well, yeah. um, as there always is, but, um, I put more weight on the positive, uh, on the positive feedback and for the same reason, like, I don't want it to be difficult. I have, um, two nieces, uh, who are quite young and I don't know if like they're, they're, uh, They're going to, I don't know if they're going to be fat or not. I don't know if they're going to be disabled or not. They're too young to really put any emphasis on that. But I want them to have an easier time than I did if they end up in a marginalized body. Um, I don't want them to grow up not having seen themselves represented in media, whether that's social media. Television, movies, like I—I I never really saw myself um, in right. anything growing up, and I—I I wasn't a fat child. I was a fat teen, um, but I never, like, growing, like, as a, a teenager, I never saw myself represented on anything. I don't remember. I don't remember ever seeing something um, and being like that person looks like me, and or that person yeah. is the same shape as me, um, or that person has the same struggles as me. I, I couldn't relate to um, the people that I saw in media because they they were nothing like me, and I don't want that for the next generation or even you know, people who are just going through their own um, yeah. work at dismantling fat phobia or fighting the the uh, diet industry and having to search as hard as I did to find their people. I want to make sure that there's, you know, voices out there for them to find. And I will keep yelling really loud until they find me.
1: And I, I definitely appreciate it. I've, I've, Really, first off, enjoyed speaking with you today. I've enjoyed following your feed for, um, I think, most of the couple of years I've been on Instagram. Um, not that I haven't enjoyed it for any of that time, that I have followed it for most of that time. <laughs> um, I've really appreciated the activist bent that has happened more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it all. And so thank you so much for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. See, See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.
0: Punk Rockers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.